right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Safe Passage and Friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Amanda. We are talking today. Um, today is Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Month. And the day we're releasing this episode is May 5th which is the National Day of Awareness for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women. So we're going to be talking today with Bernie Lassart of the Coeur d'Alene Tribe, and we're going to be talking with her about what Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women is and what they do. A lot of really excellent, super helpful information from her. We're very excited to talk with her and learn from her and hear from her. Yes, it's going to be a good episode, Olivia. Mm -hmm. How has your week been so far? It's been great. It's rained a couple of days, which I'm happy about. I don't like the sun very much, which is okay. I put my sunscreen on. I have hand, I have tan lines already. I mean, we can agree to disagree about the, uh, hating the sun. I don't like the cold. So we have nothing in common. We have nothing <laughs> in common, but I'm personally excited to see the sun back. I get to go outside and not freeze. I love that for you. I do too. I do too. How has your week been? What have you been doing? I mean, you know, I never do anything. I'm just hanging out at home, just eating snacks, drinking tea. Wild. It sounds like a wild week. It is a wild week. It's, (laughs) I got some new tea. So I've been trying new types of tea flavors. Oh, really going outside your comfort zone. I I really am. I really am. I'm branching out. Mm -hmm things going on at safe passage we want people to know about let's see month of may we're in a ton of different schools we are going to be at lakeside and plumber we'll be at lakes middle school we'll be at the quarterling charter academy and ending the month at lake city high school we also have Annette here with us to come on and talk a little bit about some more things that we have going on at safe passage in the next couple of months Hello, Olivia and Amanda, I guess. Uh, (laughs) I'm the development director here at Safe Passage. And I kind of wanted to talk about a couple of things we have coming up. So in June, um, on the 3rd, we have our annual violence prevention breakfast, which is the single biggest fundraiser of the year for Safe Passage. Um, It's at the Hagon Event Center this year. So it'll be cool and fancy with all that um, glass walls and right there on the lake, it's a beautiful location. That one is nice and short. You're there for about an hour. You learn about Safe Passage. We have a really, really cool keynote speaker this year coming in from Ohio. Kelly Sundberg is actually a published author who wrote the book, Goodbye, Sweet Girl. And she's coming in from Ohio to be our keynote speaker, which is fantastic. She actually grew up in Salmon, Idaho. So she is very familiar with this area. So that's our next big event happening. And then something else I wanted to talk about is we are launching a new club actually at our event called the 208 Club. And this is kind of a cool exclusive event, uh, not event, but exclusive club, where if you donate at least $208 a year, equals about like $17.33 a month, you get to be part of the 208 Club, where you get exclusive access to swag, special events. Um, our first launch event for that is going to be at the end of June. It's going to be like a mixer at the Live for Blue Art Gallery downtown Coeur d'Alene. And there's going to be a food truck there. There's going to be some giveaways. And if you're part of this club, you get to come to all these cool events. There's been talks of like a trivia night, like a tattoo party, possibly all kinds of these really fun events. And you get to be part of them all year long, but only if you donate that 200, at least $208 a year. I have cool stickers and all kinds of fun stuff we're getting. We're getting wine tumblers and trucker hats and all kinds of really cool stuff. So that's something that's really um, 
fun that we're excited to launch this summer. We'll have a whole bunch of small events throughout the summer that are outdoor stuff like we all like to do. As, as Lydia talked about earlier, <laughs> we like the outside and the sunshine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And tea. Unlike Amanda. No, I'm inside. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what's happening. I say Passage right now. And as always, we're always accepting donations for things if you're wanting to support Safe Passage. New leggings, women's sizes, like small through XL, women's underwear sizes, small through XL. We're always accepting those kind of things, as well as any kind of summer stuff, because once again, it is summertime coming up. And those small things make a big difference for survivors, as you guys both know, being able to get, you know, new summer clothes, swimsuits, flip-flops, things like that, that they don't have to worry about purchasing themselves and that we'll have uh, available for them whenever they need them. That's all I got. Annette, where can they find you and any information that you're giving out? Yes. So you can either follow us, go to our website, it has stuff on there as well. And then you can also find us on social media on Facebook under Safe Passage Violence Prevention Center or on Instagram, uh, which is Safe Passage ID. And then you can also email me directly. I'm always happy to take any, uh, any emails. My email is A-N-O-L-T-I-N-G at safepassageid.org. I'm always happy to meet with you if you have any questions or want to just learn more about Safe Passage. I'm always happy to take a phone call or have a cup of coffee. Thank you so much, Annette. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Anytime. That 208 Club. That sounds, sounds fun. like a it's lot of fun. fun. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of fun. We're going to go kind of, it's geared at like our age group. Like it's like that 21 to like 40. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have a lot of like fun outdoor stuff. Probably cornhole tournament will happen at some point. Most likely, you know, oh. a lot of stuff that people love and just, you know, kind of make it, you know, you can be part of it. You get to do the cool things. I know if we did a tattoo party, it would probably sell out in about five minutes. Yeah. So for sure. That'd be cool. Yeah. So we're hoping to get a bunch of stuff really up and running through this summer and then into the fall of the next year. Just like small little pop-up events. Nothing like a lot of work, you know. I love that. It'll be That's super time. cool. Anything else for me? No. Nope. So. I'm going to run away then. I'm going to go okay. answer emails and I missed two phone calls. So I got to go. Oh, sure it's Awesome. Thanks so much, Annette. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. So we're really excited to chat with Bernie about their work at the Coeur d'Alene Tribe, their work in preventing violence. And how we can work alongside them into bringing awareness and learning more about missing and murdered Indigenous people. Without further ado, let's get into this awesome conversation with Bernie Lassart. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Bernie. Hello. Good afternoon, Amanda, Olivia. Thank you so much for coming in today. I'm Amanda. That's Olivia. And we're super excited that you joined us mm-hmm. today. We have Bernie Lassart here, and we're going to talk to her a little bit about who she is and what she does. And then we're going to talk about the missing and murdered Indigenous women epidemic in our community, as well as our country in other countries around. Yeah, well, thank you so much for meeting with us, Bernie. We're super excited to chat with you. Do we want to just start by letting us know a little bit about who you are and the work that you do? Sure. My name is Bernie Lassart, and I am a Coeur d'Alene tribal elder. I manage uh, currently the tribe's uh, domestic violence and sexual assault program since 2004 here in Plummer, Idaho. And I'm actually also director for the tribe's uh, social service department. So I actually have two jobs. So I'm quite busy. Been here, like I said, since 2004. And our little program has grown tremendously. 
we stay busy. Unfortunately, we do stay busy. Yeah. Who do y'all serve and what type of people do you serve? We, we serve those that uh, live on the uh, reservation or within the reservation service area. And that includes Native women. Uh, we also serve non-Native women, women that live actually here on the reservation. And even though our boundaries don't uh, include Spokane, we do cover victims, uh, Native victims that actually live in Spokane and Coeur itself. We try to stick to the boundaries, but our clinic has a service area, I believe that's 50 mile radius. And so we try to observe that as well. But I don't turn anybody away. Anybody no. that comes into my office, I'll see. So no specific victim type or what do you see mostly? We see uh, primarily um, it's been domestic violence. But I have to say that interviewing uh, all of my victims uh, since 2004, there is approximately at least 90% to 95% of my BB victims have uh, indicated that they had suffered some form of sexual assault uh, in their lifetime. And the majority of them actually as children so even though they're, they come into me with uh, domestic, current domestic violence, they've, they've been sexually assaulted, uh, not one time, but many times. And so I see a lot. The past few years, uh, the focus has been um, reaching out to victims of sexual assault. And even though I did see sexual assault victims from day one, we actually the tribe actually did not receive any specific funding uh, until 2010. So we were able to expand um, our reach uh, for victims of sexual assault. And it actually took us a while. Um, the community was more apt to accept domestic violence and talk about domestic mm -hmm. violence, talking about sexual assault and coming forward and and doing um, outreach on sexual assault was a little bit uh, trickier. Uh, people just didn't want to admit that there was actually as much sexual assault occurring than there actually is. So, so it's, it's coming along. Our reporting is much better for victims of sexual assault. And I think it's because um, this program has proven to be very credible. You know, we don't talk about things. We maintain confidences here. And I think that that reputation in the community has certainly created a path for victims to want to come forward and talk, even if they don't want to do anything about it, at least to come and talk with me or take advantage of our um, counseling assistance. So, yeah. What are some of the like types of services? You mentioned that they talk with you and you have counseling services. What are some of the other types of services that you all offer? We can do emergency shelter. We do not have uh, a shelter here specifically, but we do use hotel shelter. And we also uh, reach out to our collaborative organizations such as Safe Patch Passages or Oasis Program or um, YWCA in Spokane. Uh, if we're not able to shelter anybody here, we can reach out and, you know, usually 
somebody in the area is able to shelter for us. We have a victim counseling. We have counseling for the children who witness the violence or anybody associated with the sexual assault. We have a batterer intervention program. Uh, it's a 52-week program. And that's actually for perpetrators of domestic violence. And I think probably the counseling is one of the main services that we do provide for uh, sexual assault victims. Uh, we are able to go into the emergency room. We have a collaboration with Kootenai. And actually the tribe, when we did gain that funding in 2010, we formed a sexual assault response team. And because at that time we were the only organization that acquired some funding, I elected to expand out and to reach out to our neighboring organizations to take part in this sexual assault response team. I mean, our victims here on the res, we still require assistance from our neighbors off of the reservations, uh, such as Kootenai Medical Center to do the forensic exams. Since there's only two of us uh, advocates here in the program, and we are not 24-7, unfortunately. I can call safe passages and ask if they can send over an advocate on our behalf in the emergency room. So that was actually one of the big things we did with that funding was to organize this uh, response team. And we have provided numerous educational opportunities for our neighboring and our collaborators, both on and off the res, uh, as part of this team, we meet on a quarterly basis, at least, and sometimes uh, more often than that, especially when we're doing some kind of conference um, planning or educational planning, we'll meet more frequently. But um, we do have some funding for some financial assistance. We do have some transitional housing services where we're able to help victims for up to six months to get on their feet. And that actually is for both domestic violence and or sexual assault. So we provide that kind of assistance if they need help with a, a light bill or a car payment, anything to help them get back on their feet and in a safer area, we're able to help with. So yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. So May 5th is the awareness day for missing and murdered indigenous women. And that's kind of one of the things that we were hoping to chat with you a little bit about. Mm -hmm. Do you want to just give us like a little bit of background on that? Sure. There is a, a big push the past few years and the, the stats actually started coming out of Canada regarding indigenous persons in Canada and uh, lo and behold, we started focusing on that and realizing that we here in the U.S. has this domestic terrorism activity going on against our Native uh, women. There are several things going on, and not just statewide here in Idaho, but nationally. As you know, President uh, Trump did sign uh, in 2020, that um, May 5th was declared a missing and murdered Indigenous women slash persons day. Here in Idaho, there are task forces that are being formed, 
as well as the regional tribes, the Pacific Northwest has a task force, as well as the Department of Justice. And so everyone is just getting started on these task force to figure out, okay, what is needed? Because number one, we don't have exact numbers. We don't know, we just know that there's thousands of women that go missing. And here on the res, we have one that was documented and still remains unsolved to this day. But um, what isn't counted are our victims, our tribal victims that moved to other states because there's over half of our tribal population here on the Coeur d'Alene Res don't even live here. They've moved all over. And it's never reported to our tribal enrollment what actually happened to this person. All they're told is that this person passed away. There's, there's no indication what the cause of the death was. So tribes don't even know how many of their own people are missing and murdered. They just know that they passed away. So one of the big pushes is uh, number one, to find out exactly what our numbers really are. And of course, you know, what can we do about this? And one of the things that's being proposed and that I totally am pro is legislation that requires all entities. And that is not just tribal, but off the reservation, that state, local, county, everyone to collect this data and put it into a central bank and share this data and mandating that entities do this, number one, because if you have just tribes doing it, we're not still not going to get true numbers. So we need everybody to come to the table and talk to each other on this level. We need a central data bank where all of this information, whether it be county or state or city, can enter data and that's accessible, a portion of it for families themselves because they are part of the investigation in many cases. There's a lot of our victims, our victims' families that are still looking for uh, their members. They're out there, they're putting, they're doing whatever they can to investigate. As I said, you know, we have one documented here that occurred in the late 80s. And, you know, I work with the sisters of that young woman and they have nothing. They haven't had a service. They haven't even been able to bury this person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were a part of the investigation for many, many, many years. And it's not closed, but there's no new evidence that has come forward. So there are a lot of things happening locally here in the state, as well as regional and uh, national. So I'm really enthusiastic and I think it's very promising that we're we're headed in a good direction to really find out what our numbers truly are and then go from there. Where do we need to go? What needs to happen to, you know, find out what can be done to bring our victims home? What needs to occur for families to give them some kind of peace and resolution to, you know, their family who's gone missing. I'm very enthusiastic. Uh, Everybody, and I've attended various meetings, not just um, state, 
but as I said, the, um, it's called uh, ATNI, which is the Affiliated Tribes of the Pacific Northwest, as well as the Lady Justice um, DOJ meetings and the uh, National Congress of American Indians meetings. So I've attended all of those. And we're actually all seeing many of the same things occurring. We're all kind of saying the same things and determining this is kind of what we're needing. So we're all kind of really on the same page already. We need, we need to just put this together and who's going to do that? I don't know. I know that Idaho is really working very hard. The governor is, I have been recently requested to sit on the Tribal Justice Commission for uh, the state and hopefully we'll get the governor's ear and be able to give him a few pointers on what we can do. So hopefully that's going to be a good a move for me. So we'll see. <laughs> I have more to share as we, as we move, uh, move forward. Do you know, was this something within the Native community where everyone was like, this is something happening to our women and our children and our girls? And was did this start from people talking together of like, this is an issue. This is something bigger than what we're seeing. This is happening all over the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. It is absolutely. Yes. And, you know, globally women are more, are victimized way more than men are for domestic violence. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the numbers are still women victims are greater. And that's not to say that male domestic violence occurs because it does, but still the, the victimization is mostly female. Certainly that is much greater in Indian country. Native women's are beaten three and a half times more than any other race in this country alone. They will suffer sexual assault three times more than any other race. And those are documented cases. So it's actually more than that, truthfully. On some reservations, sexual assault is occurring 100%. On cases such as in Alaska, where people live in remote villages and you know, they don't see, you know, they don't have police officers there. Everything goes unreported. And to report something, it might take a week or two for an officer to get out to the isolated areas in Alaska too. And by that time, your evidence is gone, okay? Mm -hmm. Places like a Pine Ridge, mm -hmm. the, the rate of sexual assault is 100%. Domestic violence is 100% for women. Those children grow up knowing that their, their mothers, their aunties, their cousins, their grandmothers, their great-grandmothers have been sexually assaulted. So it's almost an, an accepted I hate to say accepted behavior, but expected. Let's put it that way. It's mm -hmm. not accepted. It's just expected. Grandma was assaulted. Mom was assaulted. So it's going to happen to me. So, you know, it, violence occurs. And, and here it's, like I said, my rates down here are still 90% uh, women victims than male victims. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that this movement and awareness came from like grassroots of native people coming together and saying, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is happening yeah. over and over and over. Yes. Yes. And it's intergenerational. This has been going on for hundreds of years. I mean, it, 
you know, you talk about um, intergenerational trauma. It just, it perpetuates, it just keeps on going. It's almost like, as I just, Stephanie's saying, expected to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. If you're a native woman anywhere here in the United States, it most likely is going to happen to you. You're going to be a victim of domestic violence and or sexual assault. Even the sex trafficking rates are very high. You know, we do have uh, some trafficking that's going on on reservations nationwide, and we're certainly seeing it here in on the res. It looks very different on reservations. It doesn't have the same kind of signs that you would see in a larger city. Uh, I mean, it's not, you know, boats coming in and there's, you know, a bunch of immigrant people that you might see, say, in Seattle or Portland. We're seeing it in casinos happening here and people coming in and doing this kind of thing on reservations because of that jurisdictional quagmire that occurs on uh, reservations and the tribe's inability to hold many perpetrators accountable. Uh, so essentially tribes are almost safe havens for those that perpetrate bad behaviors such as you know, sexual assault and sex trafficking and drug trafficking. So again, that's almost expected behavior to occur um, within the reservation itself. So. so what are some things that like people in Idaho, North Idaho, people in our communities in general can do to kind of help with like preventing this, supporting, um, mm -hmm. raising awareness, mm -hmm. um, all those different things? What are some things that we all can do? Well, I think that we all must raise awareness. I think, I think that um, there has been awareness the past few years, and I think we need to expand that and keep it going. You know, because a lot of areas, there's, they're, they're still not aware of this. And so we've got the spotlight. Let's just keep it going and magnify it. And I would ask that communities, you know, volunteer to do to do activities, to bring more awareness, to take part in dialogue when, you know, when you're called to the table, because in Idaho, that's going to happen. There's, like I said, all over, everybody's got task force and we're, we're wanting everybody to collaborate on, on this, not just tribes and not just, you know, isolated reservations, but we want everybody and we need everybody to combat this. We need everybody's input. We need the state. We need the city. We need the local governments. We need the tribal government. So we need to all take part and come to the table and start talking about this and talking about resolutions and you know how we all can work together to bring more light to this um, and hopefully to you know to combat it. Mm -hmm. Are there any like resources or reading materials or anything that you might recommend for people wanting to learn more about this or like educate themselves more? There's several things out. Um, I know the DOJ has numbers and the state, Idaho state has numbers, but the truth of the matter is those are just the ones that are reported. They're not true numbers. We don't know true numbers. We just know it's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I guess I would, I, I know that you can go onto the web 
and research missing and murdered indigenous persons. And you can get some of the national organizations um, toolkits and read many stories um, that have been brought to light. Washington over on the West Coast, they have done numerous uh, events the past few years that have brought light to this. Actually, we did back, it was in 2019, 2020 was kind of, you know, there was nothing going on. <laughs> right. But 2019, Lane Tribe did an event at the casino, which I think you, many of you at Safe Passages mm -hmm. attended. That was uh, totally on um, missing and murdered Indigenous women and sex trafficking. And also the paths that they cross, those, because they intersect, you know. And it was an all-day event. And if you remember, we had ceremonies. We did shawl ceremonies and we did you know, a healing dance. And um, it was phenomenal. We had a very good turnout. And I hope to do another one of those kind of events. Unfortunately, I can't for May 5th, not everything is 100% open yet. And not everybody is fully opening and functioning. So I'm really hoping that in October for DV Awareness Month to have an event as a matter of fact, I just had a fella in my office a few days ago who has a company, a, a production company that actually wants to highlight missing and murdered Indigenous women and wants to collaborate with us here and to bring to light the young woman's case that was never solved and to highlight that. And so we're actually talking about that for an October event. So you know, keep your eyes and ears open. And uh, as soon as I get everything confirmed, you know, I'll be sure and send out flyers and we'll all be invited. I, my buddy here just brought me a huckleberry milkshake that yes. just came out. <laughs> you could tell she walked in and was like, oh, well, here it is. <laughs> so Brandy, I went to your event that you put on and I can tell you, I have never forgotten it. It okay. was very it was very impactful. And yeah. I think just being if somebody that doesn't know a lot about missing mm -hmm. and murdered indigenous women, educating yourself, mm -hmm. reading up on it to like getting into spaces where you can learn about it. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that event was, it was unreal. Like I've never yeah. stopped thinking about it. And I tell yeah. a ton of people when people are like, what do you mean? What is this? You know, missing? I'm like, you don't know about it. How do you yeah. know? It's wild how many people aren't caught up on, on these things that are happening, this epidemic that's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's happening. Yeah, I was in, uh, in mass uh, in church one time, and this was, oh, geez, probably about six months ago. And one of the parishioners came up to me at the end of mass, and he wanted to talk about it. And it really was somebody that I would have never thought would even know anything about this, let alone have an interest in it. But he actually came up to me after mass and was asking questions. And, and he just wanted to know and make sure that I knew that this was, was actually going on. And he wanted to find out more about it, but, which I thought was great because that's where it starts. You know, you, people hear things and they want to learn more and they want to know more about it. And so I thought that was I thought that was just great. And I was uh, so thankful that he felt comfortable enough to come up to me and ask me uh, mm -hmm. about it, you know, and talk about it. So 
Well, I will look forward to another event if y'all get to put one on and we open back up and everything's good to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. Was there anything else that you were hoping to share with us at all about any of the things we've talked about today? Anything that we didn't ask that you wish we would have asked or anything we didn't get to? No, I think you guys are pretty pretty good narrators. And you know, I think that uh, your questions were very good and very valid and uh, I think very appropriate and you know, and again, too, if you guys think of something that you should have wanted to ask me and, you know, you're, you guys know my phone number, you know my emails, you can always, you know, call me and let me know. I'll, if I don't know, I certainly can find out. But I've always been very appreciative of safe passages. And, you know, I've been here since 2004. And the first place that I reached out clear back then, probably 2005, 2006, because I was the only one in here. And the first place that I reached out to to collaborate and network was the Women's Center, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you guys have changed your name, I think, three or four times. Yes, I was trying to confuse everybody. <laughs> but yeah, and, and so I, you know, I'm always willing to collaborate with Safe Passages. They've always been very supportive of you know, our little tribal program here. And, you know, I've always been very grateful for whatever you guys have provided, whatever assistance and support. And on the flip side, I, you know, encourage you to ask me too. And you guys always have, if you guys needed my help with anything, you've always certainly have reached out to me. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. And I, I'm very thankful for your partnership and your friendship and Mm -hmm. being able to learn from you has been something that you people don't get to do and I get to do so I'm Mm -hmm. very grateful for that and our our partnership throughout the years has been so awesome and on the flip side if there's anything we can do yeah thank you we're always here yeah thank you thank you so much for chatting with us where are some places that our listeners can find you or find ways to support your work and what you all do well, you can reach us on the Coeur Tribes website uh, under the Stop Violence Program. Uh, our phone numbers and email addresses are on there. I have brochures all over the place. Uh, we are actually on the state's website or uh, the hotline site, so we're on there as well. So, you know, you can call my office directly. You know, I answer my own phones here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Great. And we'll make sure to put links to those websites and those phone yeah, numbers in our show notes yeah. when we publish this episode as well. Yeah. Everything's on the tribe's websites. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time and um, talking about domestic murder and indigenous women. It's just so valuable, all the information that you have. And this epidemic is something that should have been talked about years and years and years ago as a front of people in our world that this isn't okay and it shouldn't be happening Mm -hmm. and thank you for spending your time with us and it's always really good to see you thank you for having me thank you so much have a great day bye now Bye. bye thank you so much to bernie for coming on and chatting with us and giving us lots of excellent wonderful information Yeah, we always appreciate the willingness to share her story Mm -hmm. and share her information with us. Yeah, really impactful and important and meaningful Mm -hmm. work being done. 
you can learn more about what the Stop Violence program at the Coeur d'Alene Tribe does. Just go to www.cdatribe-nsn.gov and you can read more about their work and what they do. Yeah. And we will leave her information in the show notes as well. If you want to learn more, reach out as well as more information on missing and murdering indigenous women. That'll be in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. And as always, you can contact us 24 seven at 208-664-9303. You can visit our website at safepassageid.org and follow us on all the social medias. Well, thanks y'all for tuning in. We appreciate it. Stay tuned for the next one. Hope you guys have a good week. Yeah. Have a fantastic, wonderful May. Mm -hmm.